what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Tom Power. Welcome to Q. So, last month, big day for Canadian theatre. Uh, every year, the annual Saminovich Prize gets awarded. And this year, it was given to the Canadian playwright David Yee. And the Saminovich Prize goes to a director, playwright, or designer whose work has advanced theatre in Canada. And I should say, this is not like the Oscars or the Emmys or the Tonys. This isn't for like a specific play or a performance. It's more interesting than that. It's an entire body of work from an artist, like their whole career leading up to their work and how the work that they've done has transformed theater all across the country, not just through their through their own work. It's a pretty big deal. It also happens to carry $100,000 of prize money. I've always loved this. 75000 of that goes to David. The other 25000 goes to a protege of his choosing. And we get into who he chose in our conversation. David Yee has also won a Governor General's Literary Award for his play Carried Away on the Crest of a Wave. And this is the part where, if you're not familiar with him, I tell you what he normally writes about. But that's kind of hard with David Yee. He'll write about, like, the emotional aftermath of a plane crash or a natural disaster. Or he'll write, like, a beautiful play about friendship and how we're all connected. Or he'll write a play about, like, building a cabin. It doesn't take long to see, though, when you start looking through his work, that pretty much everything David Yee does is driven by the desire to uplift and champion the Asian North American artistic community. And yeah. It all started out of necessity for him. David Yee came into the studio last week. We talked about art. We talked about his career. We talked about representation. I'll also say David's so funny. And in my, I just love how self-deprecating he is. It's just amazing. Anyway, I started out by asking him what winning the Saminovich Prize last month meant to him. Oh, my God. I mean, it all, mm-hmm. it's uh, its madness because it, the Saminovich has always felt like something that happens to someone else yeah. or like another, another, you know, a, a, another tier of, of this uh, industry. And that I would be uh, counted among the, the company that I'm in is um, I'm still in a state of dissociative shock about yeah. basically what I'm saying. <laughs> How do you find out? Is it an email or a phone call? Uh, you get a Well, you, you, you get a, a, I got an email because my phone's wonky. And uh, and they, they tell you that you're a finalist, but they you don't know that you've won until the night of. Like I I found out along with the other uh, three finalists the the night that they gave the thing away. Yeah, and uh, I didn't get up for a while because I just I didn't know what to do. So they um, they say your name. They said your they they said my name, and I just sort of stared at at Julie, who was my protege, who was sitting next to me, and she stared at me, and I said, what? And she goes, I don't know. <laughs> and they had to call me a couple of more times. Like, no, no, you really have to, you have to do the speech now that you've written. Uh, my, I, mean, I love this story. I heard that you contacted previous Semitovich Prize uh, laureates to ask them what, how they wasted, like something they did to waste the $75,000 well, or something silly they got with it. I, so 
My first Subinovich uh, award that I attended was when Jill Kiley got it. And I think that's part of like what, how it was cemented into my imagination was this, like, you had to be as brilliant as Jill Kiley mm -hmm. and sort of no one is. And so how do they do this every year? Um, and so as I, as I grew up and, uh, and these, these uh, laureates became, you know, my peers and my friends, I would just sort of quietly ask them, uh, what's the, what's the stupidest thing that you did? <laughs> With, with the money. That, with the money. What's the what's the dumbest thing? Can you tell me any answers? I can. Uh, well, I'm sworn to secrecy on that. Daniel McIvers is pretty good, but I'm I'm sworn to secrecy on that. I can tell you that uh, John Mighton just put all of it towards his his kids' college fund. Okay. Because he's because he's John Mighton and he's just a he's just a good man. A practical man. He's a practical good man. You know, I got to ask. What about you? <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I haven't made any stupid moves yet. Yeah. Um, Come on, you got something in mind. Well, you know, uh, OLED TVs are just so pretty. Yeah, uh, there you, you go. Know? The nice, fancy <laughs> TV. You deserve it for a man in theater. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I can, I can, you know, watch all the, the, the work of all the people who are making far more money than me on a regular basis. <laughs> okay, so I want people listening to this to understand how we, how we got to this moment. Um, let's back up a bit. So you attended the University of Toronto's theater and drama program, but to become an actor, mm -hmm. and you've said that you became a playwright out of necessity. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, I don't, it, was, it was necessary to me. I don't know how necessary it was to anyone else. You know, I would, I would, I would get very, um, very small parts in the, the shows that we were doing. And it became just sort of clear to me that I was never going to be Romeo. I was never going to play Brick. I was never going to be in that, in that sort of like lead actor space. And I had always sort of, you know, like writing was something that I always did. And so I, uh, I, I started creating work that, <clears throat> where I could have, you know, a bit more to say, where I could spend a bit more time on stage, where I could, you know, uh, speak about the things that were a bit more relevant and germane to me and my experience. Okay. So writing for yourself, like writing for, you, for writing, stuff for yeah, you to be in. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The, you know, the most narcissistic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. But also like, hey, no one, no one's giving me the lead, no one's giving me the lead roles here. Yeah. And you sort of have to, you, you know, you have to take it upon yourself to, uh, to do the things that you, that you want to do. If you want to, you know, get to a, a certain point, then sometimes you have to build the road in order to get there because nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're, uh, if your last name is Yee. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. When do you realize, hey, I might actually be pretty good at this thing? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know that I've realized that yet. Um, I was writing, uh, I was writing a play called Lady in the Red Dress that was sort of the, the first, um, the first professional production and the, uh, went on to, to be my, my first, um, Governor General's Award nomination. And uh, while I was writing it, I'm like, okay, I could, I could maybe play. There was a, a character, and I'm like, maybe I could play that guy. And I got to the end of the play, and I went, oh no, I don't want to play that. That's hard. That's very difficult. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that. And also, I know another guy who would be really great for it. Yeah. And so I started to write things that were a bit more difficult, a bit more complex, and a bit scarier than something that I necessarily wanted to undertake yeah. uh, for myself. Uh, so it was out of fear. So like necessity and fear have really sort of like been the, <laughs> the, underpin the rule. <laughs> the underpinnings of any successful artist's career. Were there people along the way, in all seriousness, were there people along the way who said, hey, this this writing this is this is pretty good this 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 could work out for you yeah i mean i've been i've been very lucky to have to have had a, a series of, of of mentors and and people who who championed me uh along the way or like i had a, a 
professor at uh, at uni who was uh, who was very kind, and I think you know I I wrote a a piece that I did in in school, and his comment afterwards was, "When you win the Governor General's Award for for literary achievement, thank me in your speech." And I didn't even know what that was. Like I had to I had to sort of like look it up. <laughs> Yeah, and um, this person believed in you this much. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he was he was very kind. Um, his name is Ron Cameron, and I and so when I when I I did when I I had to thank him in my speech and make good on a on a you know twelve year promise. Um, and the the people who I've uh, who have met that I formed Fujen with Nina Lee Aquino and uh, Richard Lee and Leonorius, they have always been uh, incredibly supportive, and. You know the, the the community is just a is is one that will that will uplift you and that will and that wants to see you succeed. If you surround yourself with people who want to see you succeed as 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 much as you know, who value your success as much as their own, then you you sort of can't go wrong. You mentioned Fujen there. Mm-hmm. Um, for for folks who don't know, tell <clears throat> tell us a little bit about Fujen. Uh, Fujen is uh, Canada's premier Asian Canadian theater company. Uh, we were one of the uh, first Asian Canadian theater companies, and, and exists as one of the only. Vancouver Asian Canadian Theater is um, is out in Vancouver, and we are the home for the Asian Canadian theater artist. Where did the impulse uh, to start that come from? Well, there wasn't anything. Um, I think the 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 most famous uh, or the the story that keeps getting retold from our our history is when Nina Lee Aquino was doing her masters uh, in Asian Canadian theater at uni. Um, she went to the reference library to look up Asian Canadian drama and came up with just nothing. Uh, and so there was no institution that was really dedicated to uh, to our work and to our artists and to uh, to our experience. Right. Uh, it has existed in the states since the '60s yeah. uh, in California and, and has grown in, in many other states. And it has existed in some community organizations like Carlos Belosan Theater. And at the time, VACT was um, was more community based. Uh, but there was no professional company that was dedicated to Asian Canadian theater artists and their work. And so there had been previous companies that, you know, that came up and existed for a year or two around one production or around one artist. Uh, and then, you know, quietly, you know, faded away because it's a very difficult thing to sustain. It, and so our our goal really became to make something sustainable, to make something that was not for us, but for the next generation. And so that's how we exist today. I, I should point out for people listening, uh, Nina Lee Aquino is a Canadian theater director you, you collaborated with throughout your career. Let me let me ask you this, and I don't know if you're going to have an answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. <laughs> a lot of people would identify a problem. There, There is no advocacy. There's no group, not advocacy, there's no group for Asian Canadian theater in, mm. in Canada. Not everybody would go, well, let's fix that. <laughs> where, where does that come from in you? Any ideas on that? Uh, I, I have what Yates would call the fascination of what's difficult. And I think that I was lucky enough to meet Nina and to meet Richard and, and, and Leon, who the, the four of us, we had all sort of tried to do the same thing independently uh, before we met one another, often in our last year of uni or, or afterward, to uh, to create something yeah. that was uh, that was for the community, but we didn't we didn't have the maybe the the ability to do so ourselves. And so when we came together and we we found each other and we could share some of the burden, and we also had you know a, a, a wonderful you know community a, and a growing community of artists behind us who would you know lend their support in whatever way uh, they could. But the the four of us, the the core sort of exact 
executive were the ones that like, okay, well, we'll just sacrifice everything to to do it. We'll, you know, we we won't have, you know, much of a life and we'll, you know, Leon and I just stopped going to our, our regular jobs. Uh, what, what, we, what, what made it worth it? Why? Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it is, it's, uh, we uh, we we did a conference in uh, in in 2010, and it was sort of the the first Asian Canadian uh, theater conference. Yeah, and so we had artists, and we had academics, and coming from from all over the country, and we had a, a different uh, play reading every night, and we had this wall with all the headshots of all the artists who were who were involved, and uh, it was on the, the the back of the the factory theater studio, and from where I had started when you could really could fit the entire Asian Canadian theatrical community in a bar. Mm. And we did mm. uh, in, in Ho Chow's bar. From there that we had this wall of all of these artists who we had that we that we that we touched, that we'd we'd been yeah. we'd been a part of their of their journey. We we had created work for them. We had allowed them to be seen mm. in a way that I don't think would have been possible without us. Like that to me, it makes it worth it. I'm Tom Power. You're listening to Q. More of my conversation with the playwright David Yee coming up. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder. Or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have. Or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm DeLon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So, so answer me this then. I mean, this is well, we're talking about um, artists and and academics, and I know this is something you've you've thought about. What about audiences? Theater in Canada is primarily a, a older white attended art form, certainly performed art form, but definitely attended art form. I'm yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. No. So what what do you do then? You know, you, uh, if you build it, they will come. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was, when I was in school, it, you know, it took until second year for me to see a play where there was an Asian Canadian actor on stage, right? To see me on stage before that, like my, uh, my, my reference for myself in, in popular culture or in, in entertainment was, 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 was David Carradine on Kung Fu, right? Like that's <laughs> like, oh, that's Okay. I guess that's what I'll be. Um, and so, and I think like a lot of us, we didn't, we didn't have a, a way to see ourselves on stage. And so our answer for that was just to, just to create so much work that our experience would be one that is a bit more recognizable and that they're, you know, the, the, the next generation could see themselves uh, and their experiences reflected on stage, and like part of it is is opening the doors to young creators that are speaking to their own experience, so that you know it's there isn't this this gap of like okay, well, I'm going to the theater, I have to figure out something in my life that relates to you know the struggle of this you know 45 year old white man. Um, that there is 
maybe something for other people, mm. right? That, um, and maybe that's how we bridge the gap. A little while ago, Rick Knowles, the Canadian theater writer and academic, published a paper on your work and said that your work is tied together by being post-migrant. The idea is that your characters don't see themselves as marginalized. How does that, how does that sit with you, that, that, um, that analysis of your work? I mean, uh, far be it for me to, um, <laughs> to contend anything Rick says. Maybe not that they don't see themselves as marginalized, but it is not the first thing about themselves or the most important thing about themselves, right? That the, that, that marginalization is, um, has been internalized into a more complex idea of, uh, of one's own identity and one's own subjectivity. Can you help me understand that a little bit better? Or maybe an example, give me an example of a character you've written who... Uh, so I, I, uh, I, I wrote a play called Acquiesce, which is uh, which I, I actually started in 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 uni, and it was the you know it was a very like angry young man play uh, that I then went back to in my in my thirties, and it was a uh, angry older person play. Um, <laughs> but it was like the, the the main character was very much like an, an analog for me, and you know and and mixed race, and has to you know go to go to Hong Kong to bury his father, and I think the 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 way that the, the the character and myself have have internalized our our own identity as as an Asian Canadian is is just sort of like baked into the very DNA of our ideas of our of our our references of our concepts our concept of home our our concept of 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 Asia is very much reliant on our parents' nostalgia and so if we're being forced to tick this box of Asian Canadian on in, in census data, then what, what did those ideas, how does that nostalgia translate in, in our own bodies? Like, how does that feed into our everyday sensibility of just being alive in the world? Yeah, our perception of ourselves and just yeah. our, our own experience in this And world. so while it's not the most, the, the, the most important thing, it's not the thing that is at the, at the forefront. It's not like how I, when I, when I speak to you, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not speaking Cantonese. I'm not like, this is, you know, you are, you're not seeing just like the other, uh, when, when you look at me and I'm not seeing, you know, somebody that I have to, you know, try to relate to yeah. in a, in a cultural way. And look at you, there are other aspects of our culture that, you know, we, we know the same people, we have yeah. uh, similar experiences, but my lens is always going to be, always has that, um, that Asian-ness to it. And so I can write about, you know, a lawn, bo- a lawn bowling team in, you know, Port Hope uh, if I wanted to. I don't know what that story would be. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would still be an Asian-Canadian story because it's still coming from my lens, even though it's not, you know, it's not about, you know, dragons or kung fu or, but it's, it's my experience. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to add the next, I do understand and I really appreciate the clarification. Uh, I was going to ask you if there's anything, because your, your work is, is quite varied, you know, uh, uh, natural disasters, father-son relationships, rideshare apps, <laughs> the examination yeah. of faith. I was going to ask, is there anything that ties, ties it all together? I think you might have answered it. I, I think I have as well. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, like Whitman said, you know, we contain multitudes. Yeah. And um, and I I think that once we stop trying to trying to put people in easily definable boxes, yeah. then you know we we can more easily see the connections between all of us. Um, you brought in a copy of Among Men, which I'm I'm very grateful to you for. Among Men is about to open at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre in Winnipeg. It is about the friendship between Canadian poets Al Purdy and Milton Acorn as they built an A-frame house in 1959. What was interesting to you about their friendship, about that story? Uh, oh, God, so much. So I was reading uh, a collection of Purdy's called Poem for All the Annettes, and he has a poem in there called House Guest, where he 
sort of breaks down the 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 time I guess that, that I cover in the play, the time that that he and Milt spent together alone uh, building this uh, this a frame and the the range uh, just the the idea that you get of their relationship of the, the sort of like the 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 provoker and the um, and the easily upset um, and the the playfulness of their friendship but also this deeply felt you know love and 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 respect for for one another is like it all just sort of came through in that poem and I was it wouldn't it it wouldn't let me go and I had I've I've long wondered you know how men are friends uh, <laughs> like how how do we like how do we uh express love to to one another in a platonic way right like that sort of thing it isn't it isn't taught to us it doesn't innate no, to us and it's no. not something that people really talk about or are comfortable talking about yeah and so if there's something that i don't understand i i tend to want to you know investigate it and that usually ends up being a play how are you? You're going to go to Winnipeg to. I am. To, yeah. To see it be staged, right? I am. Yeah. I've only just met you. Okay. I'm very curious as how you how you are in the audience when the play is on. Oh. Are you are you easy? Uh, no, I'm a I'm a fairly anxious person. Um, Me too. But I, yeah. how are you when your own words are being spoken there on stage? It's all. Oh, I'm very sweaty. Uh, I but like I, I I sit in the back and I just sort of like I'm I'm hyper aware of of everybody's reactions and then when the thing is over and and people start clapping i run out the nearest door and, is that true uh, yeah, yeah yeah and 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 tried not to be seen why i don't i think i there's something wrong with me but i was <laughs> <laughs> i was uh uh david henry wong is a uh asian american uh playwright we presented a play of his with heart house um and he came down for uh for the show and to do a couple of master classes and he and i struck up a friendship and i was sitting with him when we were we, were, we watched the show and he chose the same seats that i would always choose and uh and when intermission came i looked over and he was gone Already, and he just sort of like found his way back to the uh, to the admin offices, and I'm and I, I found him. I found him there, and I'm like, oh, so so you never grow out of that, huh? And he goes, no, you always run. <laughs> um, we started this conversation talking about how you became a playwright to create roles and stories that you, you that weren't accessible to you that didn't exist when you were a young actor. Um, things have changed since then. You're working with students now. You st- you teach playwriting at U of T. Have you noticed anything about the next generation of actors coming up, either them themselves or the opportunities that are afforded to them? Um, we all feel the same thing, right? Like the, the, what 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 they feel, what drives them to write is still very much the same thing that drove me to write when I was their age. I think the 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 difference is, and it it makes me very happy to see, is that there is a bit more accessible. Uh, entertainment out there for them to reference and for them to survey. And when they, you know, if they want to find their own experience in uh, something that is, has been, you know, written, produced, and, you know, maybe celebrated, that they can go find it. And as a, as a, a working playwright, as an artistic director, uh, and as an instructor, I can connect them to those people, right? I can say, okay, well, great. You really responded to the experience of, of, of this person here. How, let's, let's break down, you know, everything that they've, everything that they've written, what they've produced, what's out there in the world. And, you know, if you would like to have a conversation with them, then maybe I can broker that. Like that's, I, it's meaningful. We can, you know, we can bring them together in a way that just it wasn't available 
to me. Yeah. And so I just want to make it available to everyone else so that they might be, have a bit of an easier time. Um, before, I, before I let you go, speaking of the next generation, as, as part of being named the Seminovich Prize Laureate, you got to you give someone $25,000. You got did. You got to choose someone who would be your protege who would be awarded $25,000. You chose the artist Julie Fan. What, what is it about, about her work that excites you? Uh, Julie's work is fearless. And, you know, when I met her, she was in her final year of, of high school and she had written a play and she would, you know, like self-produce it at Fringe. I'm like, there's something about you. You have the same sickness that I do mm-hmm. <laughs> that, 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 you know, that, that, that propels you to just, you know, to, to, to share your, your thing with the world. And, and she's a, she's a very, she's a timid creature until you, until you get to know her and, then, and until you see her work and then you read the things that she's written, you're like, oh, there's an entire universe inside you mm. that is, uh, that's just dying to get out. Mm. Um, and she has, uh, you know, no deficit of um, of imagination or uh, or care or love for you know her her fellow human, but is also you know highly critical of uh, the things that are unfair, and I think that's that's something that we uh, that we share. We don't we uh, we don't suffer well the things that are unfair. Yes, that's certainly the vibe I'm, I'm getting from you today, David. Uh, um, I got to tell you, in your work, in your uh, advocacy. And, and in your support of uh, the next generation of, of playwrights, and well-deserved prize. Oh, thanks, man. David Yee is a Canadian playwright. He joined me in our Q studio. David is the 2023 Seminovich Prize laureate. His play, Among Men, opens at the Royal Manitoba Theatre Centre in Winnipeg tonight, which is January 25th, given this is a podcast. I'll let you know this don't, if you're listening to this in like 2026, don't show up. And runs until February 10th, which again is in 2024. If you're listening to this in the future, I hope we're still around. Uh, the other episode we put up today is my conversation with, uh, I'll say this, I love that I've hosted this show long enough I get to say stuff like this, a friend of the show. Tanya Tehak is a Polaris Prize winning throat singer, uh, poet, abstract musician, one of the most interesting musicians in this country. Uh, she is now an actor in the new True Detective. She's here to talk about what happens when your first acting gig is acting with Jodie Foster. Go check that out. We'll see you soon. Later on. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.